This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Patty Henry believes that men need healing. Her belief is that men need help getting reconnected to their emotional selves so that they can take their whole selves with them into a marriage or into the workplace or wherever. The problem for men begins with how they were treated as boys. Our culture has a long-standing tradition of teaching our little boys to cut off from their feelings. This makes them emotionally unavailable to themselves as well as others. Valeria Tellis interviews Patty Henry, the author of The Emotionally Unavailable Man, a blueprint for healing. Patty Henry has been a psychotherapist in private practice since 1988, working in women's programs in psychiatric hospitals before that. She began her work committed to empowering women, but soon realized men were in desperate need of healing as well. She believes we must emotionally heal men if we are going to heal the world. She specializes in working with couples where emotional unavailability is present. Meet Patty at patty-henry.com. Here's the interview with Patty Henry. In your own words, who is Patty Henry? Well, I'm a psychotherapist. I've been in practice for 32 years now. I started working only with women at a women's program in a psychiatric hospital. They would tell me their complaints about their husbands. And so I thought we cannot work in a vacuum. We need to have the husbands come in too. And what I noticed is they were wounded too and that men need healing. And so I wrote this book, The Emotionally Unavailable Man, A Blueprint for Healing. And the book has two parts. One is written directly to the male and one is written directly to the female. Because there are things that women do to keep men in that unavailable place and things they can do to help. So what insights have you gained from the events in 2020, Patty? What have you learned or what has changed for you? Mm, yeah, 2020 to me it just reinforces that this too shall pass. Yeah. It was a hard year with the pandemic and with uh, the election and all the negativity in the world. And I feel like it's shifted 
with new president and the COVID is getting better and people are able to hug each other now and walk outside and go to a restaurant and it just is better when we have each other. My other question that relates to your work is the connection between healing and emotions. How do you connect them? I think that we can't heal unless we are connected to our emotions and let ourselves feel what we feel. Feelings are not necessarily rational. (laughs) They just are. Uh And to honor that... um, I know when somebody says, oh, you shouldn't feel that. It's like, well, I am. I am feeling that. And to learn to honor that what I'm feeling is just right or what you're feeling just right. We're not supposed to have a certain reaction or a certain emotion. It just is. If you show up, then you will feel your feelings. You'll feel you feel. Yeah. When it comes to that, this idea of uh, connectivity within, which I call it, how do we do that without this desire to change? Because sometimes when the emotions are negative, that's what comes first, the desire or this drive to change the feelings uh, rather than understanding them and listening to them. I, I think it's all valuable. You know, when people are in pain, they're motivated to figure it out so that they can get out of pain. Like, where did this pain come from? Is there uh, one catalyst or is it bigger than that? Is it a pattern in my life that I carry because my dad left when I was three? And so now I have an abandonment issue. Okay, how do I feel about that? And um, how am I repeating it in my life? So it's actually becoming curious and asking questions instead of trying to numb or hide, escape from the pain, which happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we have to get to the point where we let ourselves feel even the bad stuff because otherwise our emotions kind of blackmail us and uh, keep us from being fully alive. So if you get to point where you're not afraid to feel whatever it is that you feel, then they can't blackmail you. I love this, what you just said, this term fully alive. That sounds really good to me. What is your idea of being fully alive? It relates to emotions only or how do you, uh, do you expand that to life itself? I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I had my first child, a, the doctor placed him on my stomach and he was in a tight little ball and I watched as he slowly unfolded and stretched his arms and stretched his legs and stretched his fingers and his toes and I remember thinking at that moment that's how I want to live life arms wide open taking in as much as I possibly can and enjoying life this amazing adventure we call life. Mm, And so to me, fully alive is having those arms wide open, willing to take in whatever comes on our journey. 
this is how profound it is for you and how you live by that, because you can't forget. That kind of what comes to me is unconditional love. Mm, yeah. Right? Right. You know, ideally, we get unconditional love from our parents, but usually they have conditions because yeah. they place onto them right. have restrictions and so we have to outgrow that needing it from outside of ourselves and pulling it inside to knowing who you are and loving that person and I think that spiritually connecting with the higher energy of the universe helps knowing we are not really alone. That's an illusion. We are all connected. Yes. Yes, a billion times to the well, truth. It's not even a wisdom anymore to me. It is the truth. And yeah, it always goes back to unconditional love. <clears throat> what you said just resonates a thousand percent. This idea of being open to life and receptive, just taking in whatever comes with not really with love as the way we understand love, kindness and all that, but just um, with peace, I think that's what it is, right? Calm. Acceptance of yeah, uh, acceptance of life, right? Yeah. That there's good and bad, uh, up and downs, and that's just normal. Right. Sometimes right. I have to tell someone, yeah, you sound like a human being. <laughs> Uh, flawed human being, just like the rest of us trying to figure out this lifetime and enjoy it along the way and help as many people as we can along the way. When you're talking about the emotionally unavailable man, uh, I really believe that we have shut down emotional development in little boys for hundreds of years. And only recently, in the last maybe 20 years, is that changing? It has been, wow, it's taken a long time. Um, we, we say that about women and this idea that we live in a man's world. This has been happening for a long time too, and it has been a slow progress <laughs> into equality. But now you're pointing out that men, um, they also have had lots of issues, especially emotionally. My last a warm-up question for you, Patty, is the misconceptions about healing. What are some of them that comes to mind at this time? Misconceptions about healing. Yeah. I know I had a misconception that somebody else was going to do it for me. Right. Somebody else was going to take care of my emotional needs, and, except besides myself. Mm -hmm. so it's quite a shock to learn that, <laughs> no, I'm charge of my life mm -hmm. you're in charge of your life and that for that healing to happen I have to take over the reins of my life that there is nobody there's a book called there is nobody coming to rescue us mm -hmm. we have to rescue us that sounds very poetic especially the reins um, of my life I need to take that in. I need to be responsible for that and find shelter, find whatever helps me to be safe or feel safe. That's a powerful uh, reminder because we often forget about that for some reason and transfer that responsibility 
to other people, to life, to God, and who else? There's nothing about empowerment when that happens, but we often do it. So do you wonder sometimes why we tend to do that, transfer responsibility? Uh, I think we're taught it very young and because the world is not awake yet. It's awakening, but um, most children are raised by parents who are not awake. So um, it gets passed on this woundedness. And we have to, at some point, wake up to the fact that we are responsible for doing what it takes to heal that. And I also wonder why some of us wake up to that and some of us never will. Yeah. Do you also wonder? <laughs> I do often. I also wonder. <laughs> I do believe um, there's, we are getting closer to the tipping point mm. where more than 50%, maybe it's only 50.1%, uh, the majority of the world will be in the mm. adult portion of their lives where they know who they are. They know what they believe. They stand for what's right. We work for justice and peace for everyone. And when we get to that tipping point, which I think our world is headed in that direction, then we can get to world peace. So So you wrote the book. This is your first book, The Emotionally Unavailable Men, A Blueprint for Healing. Talk to me about the main intention of writing this book. Well, it's to include men in uh, the healing they need to do. It's a, a gentle book that helps men look at how did I get cut off from developing this part? I mean, for hundreds of years, boys have been told, don't cry, big boys don't cry suck it up, be a man, you know, shut down this development of this integral part of who you are. I mean, everybody that comes to the planet comes with all of their emotions with them. And so if you don't believe me, you can have a two-year-old boy or a two-year-old girl, doesn't matter. They will let you know if they're not happy. And so, you know, when I hear mom says to their kid in the grocery store, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Hurts my heart because they already have something to cry about. (laughs) They're upset. And so to go down to their level and talk to them and let them, you know, communicate with the um, child. And we are just now opening up for that for boys. And so we raise boys one way and girls another way. We comfort them when they're upset and we shame boys when they're upset. And 20 years later, they grow up and don't get along. And we're like, well, why can't we get along? It's like, well, you were taught one thing and he was taught another thing. This is about giving men permission to feel what they feel. And also to give men permission for having boundaries. I say in that book that women have a tendency to hurricane. And 
hurricaning is, you know, just going on and on and on, criticizing over and over and over again, or putting the partner down over and over again. And there are lots of ways to, you know, ice somebody out uh, to hurricane. But the common thing is it's relentless. And it, men don't know what to do with that. They just think I'm married to this crazy woman. <laughs> yeah. So I have to teach the women to stop hurricaning and the men how to show up emotionally. Yeah, what does it look like for men to be emotionally unavailable? What are the uh, characteristics mm. of that? Yeah, they don't cry. They don't have a lot of empathy for the other. They're not, their first response is not compassion. And so for the partner of an emotionally unavailable man, it's hard because we need compassion. We need empathy. We need for our partner to be distressed if we're in distress so that we feel like we're connected and um, loved. That makes me think about emotional abuse, which is the same topic. Would that be, Patty? Yeah, I think if somebody is totally emotionally unavailable, that it's abusive to the partner. Right. Because they feel uh, invisible and unimportant and unheard. And so they can lash back with that hurricane. And all I know for sure is the hurricane doesn't work in healing the partner and so we have to find other ways of being gentle and supportive does it go for women too have you had clients who are emotionally unavailable women yes that's a good question i have um had people say why are you just writing about men there are emotionally unavailable women too (laughs) and i'm like yes there are But uh, predominantly, we do let little girls have their feelings. If a little girl comes downstairs and says, Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark, what happens? He gets up, he picks her up, he carries her upstairs, looks under the bed, there are no monsters here, looks in the closet, there are no monsters here. Hey, honey, I'm going to keep you safe. And if a little boy comes downstairs and says, I'm afraid of the dark, he might hear, get back in bed. (laughs) Leave me alone. I'm watching my baseball game. Leave me alone. And um, doesn't get the comfort that they need and the validation. So that's what we're, I'm talking about healing in men is validating their feelings when they have it. I had a client this morning that said, I told him, you know, you're a good person. And he's had an addiction and he's been sober since January. And I said, you have to come to know that you're a good person. And he looked at me and then I said, go ahead and say that I'm a good person. He said, I can't say it. And I said, well, try, give it a try. And he just burst into tears and said, I don't believe that about myself. And so, um, you know. What comes to mind is um, self-love and self-compassion. It's a missing 
peace, isn't it, Perry? In our lives, for all of us, the work to do, but especially for men. I mean, women and men, I guess both, we all in need of that. There are women who, as a little girl, got shut down with feelings, too. Yeah. The messages sometimes are, you're too emotional. Yeah. Get it together. Stop crying. You know, so that happens some to little girls. But I think it happens more to little boys. Though I said it's shifting, and it is, thank goodness, realizing that little boys are scared and have uh, feelings too. And we need to honor both in little boys and little girls because really some girls raised in that same environment grow up and they just are not available to their partner. So this is a, a very important message to adults, isn't it? Parents especially, to change this understanding of self, of themselves and life itself. We are all humans, all allowed to be. Right. We're all flawed humans because that's the human experience. Right. There is no perfect. We are flawed. And when people tell me, you know, I'm not good enough, and I'm like, well, you're good enough to be a flawed human being <laughs> like the rest of us. Right. So um, give yourself a break. So many of us wow, abuse ourselves. In a way, it's like self-abuse that comes from being misunderstandings from our upbringing and then that we just expand to other people in our lives. And then it's a legacy of suffering, mainly, that's being passed on. I think that's absolutely true. Um, what I have found is a lot, we have a father crisis in our country. And, you know, the father is disengaged when he has small children. It's changing too, thank goodness. But they might, you know, be a workaholic and be gone 14 or 16 hours a day and never really even see the kids. And maybe for a little bit on the weekend. But that creates an abandonment issue. Uh, and so that child is likely to seek out a partner who will do the same thing to them. Who will leave them, be a workaholic, be a drug addict, you know, uh, alcoholic. Something that takes them away from the grown person now, just repeating that pattern. And what is the reason for that, Patty, coming from the subconscious? Is that trying to resolve what it couldn't or understand what it couldn't understand back then? Or there's another reason? No, I think that's why. That I mean, this is just my belief, but my belief is that God or the universe wants all of us to wake up. Mm and um, bends toward justice. And so uh, just coming to terms with, they lied to me. I am valuable. And starting to really claim that they lied to me because they were lied to. And it gets passed on generation after generation. That's a powerful understanding of life. When you say God, I'm not sure if I asked you this before. What do you mean by that? Who and where is God to you? I did a sermon on the 99 names of God. Because God comes with different names. 
God is one of them. Uh, the universe is one of them. The higher energy is one. Higher power is one. Allah is one. There are lots of names for this bigger than me. And that's my understanding of God. Right. Bigger than me. You know, when I look outside and I see a big oak tree growing in my front yard, I think something besides me made that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, there's something bigger than me. And that's the God uh, that I see. It's also yeah. that small little voice inside of us that sometimes shows up and says, do this. And I call that the God voice. And Sometimes I'll see somebody struggling to do whatever, and inside my voice says, do this. Go over and help that person. And uh, going up to them and saying, can I help you? And a lot of times people say yes. I was on a flight one time to Nepal, so it was a long flight. And this young couple had a brand-new baby, that was screaming at the top of its lungs. And it was nighttime. We were supposed to be sleeping. And it just kept screaming and screaming. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I went over and I said, can I help you? And they said, yes, please. We don't know what we're doing. And so I picked up the baby and rocked the baby and then walked with him up and down the aisles until he calmed down and uh, finally fell asleep and the plane clapped. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Because mm. it, it was in so much distress that it hurt to hear him. But they were a young couple. They really didn't know what to do. And um, being willing to show up and say, I can help you if you'll let me, and they did, so I'm glad. In the intro of your book, you mentioned there, you say, emotional work is like running a marathon. So talk to me for a moment about that. Well, it's hard, and it's exhausting. Sometimes I say, um, you know, it's like climbing a mountain, and you're just so tired, like, Oh my gosh, there's other books I have to look at and feel the feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the part that's hard about it, but it's worth it in the end. Also, running a marathon is nobody can do it for you. You are the one that has to take this step and then the next step and the next step. It doesn't matter how much somebody else trains for you. It doesn't work. You have to do the training. You have to show up and actually put your foot, one foot in front of the other. Some say that healing is self-healing. Well, there's an argument for that, for sure, that um, the more I'm able to heal myself, the more I'm able to be a healing force in the world. And so, in a way, all healing at least starts with self I my name is Patty with an I people say with a Y or I and I say I gotta have an I have a self um, did you change that the I no I was born with it 
P-A-G-G-I. So, and it's ironic. This is what I do is uh, help people get to that I. Yeah. Yeah, that always kind of yeah makes me think about that everything was just not just meant to be, but it is a miracle, isn't it? A gift that's just, it's perfect, imperfectly perfect. Right. Imperfectly perfect is right. And coming to accept all of it is the goal that I don't have to control other people. I don't have to get them to change their behavior and just take it in and accept it how life is. Wow, I love that idea. It's a challenge, isn't it, to accept everything and not trying to change people around us, even with the excuse that we're trying to help them, which is very much we are trying to do that because it's probably bothering us and then we're trying to make it better for ourselves, not others, really. That has been a challenge for me, that one, with my husband and people around me, like trying to change them so I feel better. Um, And the other challenge I have that you mentioned in your book, it's very, very helpful even to go through is we can go through now. It's the developing effective boundaries. You have seven steps for them. So that has been a big one for me, the boundaries. Yeah. Talk to me about that, Patty, for a moment. I think there are two things that we need in order to real relationships and not fraudulent ones. One is boundaries where the lines are one side of the line it feels good the other side feels bad and if somebody is stepping over your boundary and it gets to the bad part then it's up to you to teach them to go back on the other side of this line where uh, it, it feels good to me and so yeah the two things i think we need are critical are boundaries and a voice where we're able to say, that won't work for me. Sorry, that doesn't work. Oh, I would love to do that, but I'm going to have to say no. Right. You know, it's a boundary and a voice together. Yeah, Learning how to speak your truth out loud in a gentle way, but you still speak your truth out loud. And then what gets in the way a lot of times, in my case, it has been the case, it's getting better now, is this idea that other people won't like me. And I'm like, you know, I'm a good person. I'm kind, you know, and I don't want them to have a different idea, which is an attachment, of course, to that illusion of the I, of the me as an individual separate from others or everything. So how do we... Yeah, how do I learn? I will ask a direct question. Yeah, how do we learn to be confident enough to say no without the fear that we will not be liked or loved by others? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely it starts in childhood. <laughs> yeah. Parenting is so important. It is the most important job is to really give the gifts to our kids that the way you are is perfect. Uh, and beautiful. Now, these behaviors you have to work on, but you, beyond your behaviors, incredible. And to give that message, uh, wherever we go, I just always see signs around people's necks, I'm sure I've told you. And the signs say, I'm starving for love. And I feel like the whole world is starving for love. 
And so if we can give just a little drop of love uh, to every person we meet, especially somebody that's having a hard time to acknowledge, you know, she must be having a rough day. Can I help you somehow? If we all do that, then we can definitely do the healing work for the world. I don't think it's a belief system anymore. We cannot give what we don't have. So it does start with ourselves, doesn't it? Giving love to ourselves, having enough for ourselves first before we even attempt to give to others. Well, you know, in two lifetimes, I talk about the universal wound that we all get some a little bit, some a lot. And that wound is, uh, I'm not enough. And that's actually a lie. And so you really want to challenge yourself on, I don't believe that anymore. I am enough. And to really come to terms with knowing that you are enough. And we're all just wounded people. Everyone, there aren't any people that don't get wounded. And so to really get, I have what it takes to do whatever it is that I set out in front of me, including learning how to love difficult people. Mm, yeah. yeah, I don't believe that we are charged only to love the easy ones. Right. I believe we are charged to love even the porcupines. <laughs> yes, yes, um, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, and hopefully it's not coming from the mind, but the heart and that deeper understanding that life is unconditional love. Everything includes everything. So we're almost at the end and I have so many more questions here for you about the book. <laughs> Way too many. But let me see. That chapter eight is really, really resonated with me. I really liked it because you talk about reconnecting with feelings and you say something that's really beautiful. You said, I believe that those that grieve well, live well and love well. So true. And you give lots of suggestions on how to do that, reconnect with our feelings. Do you want to expand on that? Because I have some of the suggestions here. So many. Amazing one. Visualization. Look for emotional incest. I never heard of that before. Interesting idea. Uh, I deserve list. You have this. Adjust your attitude. uh, Being the first one. And so many others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a quote from my next book, Two Lifetimes, is that love meaning I honor you, who you are. I stand for you, who you are, and I will do no harm. That's the kind of love I think we need to get to. That requires that change of perception, change, shift. I'm not sure if it's a shift in the mind or going from the mind to the heart, really, Mm -hmm. living from that space. It seems to me that that's what it is. That's where unconditional love resides there. Yeah. Yeah, trying to be logic all the time, make sense of everything. It's just, it's great for practical things. Right. But then for this big picture about life, it doesn't work. Yeah, we have to get to the heart, right? Yeah, that's my understanding, which I always ask the question, what is the heart? Where is it? <laughs> and then it's not really in the body. It's not really out there either. Or it might be in the body. Who knows? Yeah, the closest I can get to it is that feeling or that... 
awareness of something that's, that there's no distance anymore. Like everything's connected. There's no reason to judge, no reason not to love because you are everything. There's no separation, really. Yes. When I talk about the hurricane in the emotionally unavailable man that is relentless to the man and he doesn't have the tools to deal with it, uh, I know that because I've been that. So I can't judge you for being a hurricane when I used to live there. I don't anymore, but I did. So I know that. I'm just kidding. That we're everything. So many other topics in your book that I have here. I love the three choices too. You talk about in um, chapter eight. You say you really have three choices with your relationship. Leave it. Keep it the same or make it better. Yeah, let's make it better. (laughs) If you keep it the same, then it will deteriorate more. So um, the only choice that makes sense to me is to make it better if you're not going to leave. Because if you don't do anything, it will be exactly where it is. (laughs) Only it will get worse because... I heard that some people say that for in emotionally abusive relationships, physical, emotionally, it's really a challenge for to leave. And yeah. I wonder why too. That's it doesn't make sense, but yeah, do you want to expand a bit on that, Patty? I think that it's hard to leave and you have to be brave. And I tell people you don't have to leave right now. Be braver right now mm. and see if you can impact the whole system by um, seeing your partner, uh, being gentle with them, and being vulnerable yourself, more vulnerable. And it takes brave to do that. It takes um, courage yeah. to step into vulnerability and say, I am so sorry, I've emasculated you and I don't want to do that anymore. And I have room for you, who you are. And it takes a while for your partner to believe you for sure. So it it takes courage to leave or to stay. Yes. And to make it better. Everything is just, it goes back to courage, which is connected to the heart. A lot of people say that too, that that word has something to do with the energies of the heart. Well, the Latin word um, for courage is heart. So it makes a lot of sense (laughs) to go back to the heart and do the work that needs to be done. It's easier that way. From my perspective, it just became so much more... Maybe not easy. Easy is not the word, but it became natural. It kind of it has a freedom. Yes, right, right. It's it's a different space of living, of of being that hard space. I have to get somebody else to change and look at ourselves. That's where the answers really are. Yeah. Gandhi told us to always turn the searchlight inward and look for my part because we always have a part in this system that we set up with whoever we're in relationship with and look at how can I, how can I work on my part to make it uh, better? That's where the true power really is, which we call empowerment, but 
sometimes I hesitate to use the word power because it's connected to manipulation and force. But yeah, it, it is true power to live from that place. Thank you so much again, Patty, for your message, your presence in this realm and in uh, everything else in between that can be felt. Oh, and thank you, Valeria, for all the work you're doing to be a healing force in the world. It's beautiful. I kind of hesitate a lot of times to accept that because I feel like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> it just kind of arises. It's just like I can't not do what I do, really. Now, what I'm doing now, it's just I'm answering to something. That's pushing you inside of you. All right, that's yeah. how are to me that I write and it, it just won't shut up. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll write it. <laughs> yeah, it has been said that this, whatever this is, um, God, the universe, this is impersonal. There's no person there doing anything. But at the same time, it's very benevolent, isn't it? It's yeah. trying to improve something here, make it better, more joyful. It's trying to lean the universe toward peace. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, wow, I cannot even wrap the mind around that. <laughs> so um, before I ask you my final question, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Uh, no, actually, I don't even have a copy of my book right here. I love that book. It's one of my favorite books. So I really recommend it if you are married to an emotionally unavailable man or the updated version of this book is uh, there's a section on the emotionally unavailable woman as well. So get the book, do the exercises, show up. And my last question to you, Patty, is what are three things about life you wish everyone to know and to have before they leave the body? Yeah, I wish, number one, for you to know that you are magnificent. You are magnificent beyond words. Number two, I want people to know that you are safe, that the safety is bigger than your partner. It's you are divinely made. You're supposed to be here on the planet having the journey you're having. And number three is how fragile we all are. And so we have to remember that when we're talking to our partner, not to slaughter them, but to speak gently and with compassion. Thank you so much again, Patty. I really appreciate your presence and ah, your deep wisdom. Thank you. And I want to say one more thing, just you can get my books on Amazon. Um, the latest is Two Lifetimes, and my first book is The Emotionally Unavailable Man, A Blueprint for Healing. And uh, my second book was Gotta Go, which I wrote after a cancer time in my life and getting rid of the fear of dying. That's another one I, I was not aware of, so that's great to know. What is your website, Patty? Where can we find more information about you, with about all your work? It's Patty, P-A-T-T-I, got to have an I, and then there's a hyphen, and then Henry, H-E-N-R-Y, dot com. Thank you so much again for your presence, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye for now, Patty. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Patty Henry and her work, please visit patty-henry.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.